Hello again, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ, and I am so glad that you've joined us as we've opened God's Word to learn how to glorify and honor and serve Him, and to learn how to overcome the tempter as he attacks and stalks us. The lesson that you're about to hear takes a look at the number one killer of God's children, heart disease. Please open your Bible along with me and let's learn about the heart disease that Christians may face and how we may prevent and overcome them. According to the American Heart Association, if you go to their website, 71,300,000 people in America suffer from cardiovascular disease. In fact, the number one leading cause of death in our nation is coronary disease, heart disease. I have found that that is also the leading killer among Christians. Heart disease. But there are numerous times that we take a look at things that we're doing or things that Christians are doing and we start trying to attack those things when in reality what's actually causing the problem is heart disease. As Peter said to Simon the sorcerer, your heart is not right with God. And a lot of times when we start seeing sin taking place in the life of the Christian, especially hypocritical sin, sin that they're covering up and trying to go ahead and hang on to, what we find is that in reality, the root problem is not just whatever sin it is that's being committed, but it's heart disease. And as we take a look through the New Testament, I think we find seven different kinds of spiritual heart disease, and they're all interrelated. But they all are equally deadly. And I'd like for us to talk about those just briefly tonight and also talk about what we as Christians need to do in order to prevent and overcome heart disease as a child of God. Would you bow with me in prayer before we get started, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we are humbled before you tonight. We're just absolutely thankful that you've allowed us to gather here to worship and honor and glorify you. We pray that you would strengthen us by what we're doing here tonight, by the fellowship that we have with one another, by the songs of praise and edification that we've sung to one another and to you, by the prayers that we offer, by the lesson that we hear, by the time that we spend together. And Father, we pray that you would strengthen each person here tonight to overcome the tempter. Father, we recognize that he's aiming his fiery darts directly for our heart, and we pray that you would help us to lift up our shield of faith, that we might overcome, that we might stand firm in the day of battle. Father, we praise your name. We're so thankful that you have provided the victory for us through your Son. It's through him that we say these prayers. Amen. As we take a look at the different heart diseases that we find in the New Testament, the very first one that we find, I think, is the doubting heart. Take a look in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. There in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12, the Hebrew writer refers back to what was going on in Israel as they were leaving Egypt and heading for the promised land. And it says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. The children of Israel, even after all that they had seen with the plagues, with the parting of the Red Sea, as they went into the wilderness, they doubted God. There was, excuse me, there was unbelief in their heart and doubt in their heart. And because of the doubt that was there, it caused them to complain against God, it caused them to grumble against God, it caused them to murmur against God. Now, obviously, doubt is not a sin. I'm not trying to suggest that at all. But the problem is that when doubt gets into our heart and eats away at our heart, 
it's going to cause all manner of problems. The Israelites' doubt even led them to idolatry. And Moses certainly could have rebuked them, as he did for idolatry, but the root problem was a problem of the heart. They were suffering from heart disease. They had a doubting heart. How many of our sins in our lives come from doubt within our heart? Perhaps doubting the power of God, doubting that the will of God is actually what's best for us, doubting that the way of God is the right way. How many of our sins come from a doubting heart? The second disease of the heart, I believe, that we see is the dirty heart. Look in Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew chapter 23, we find Jesus rebuking the Pharisees. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 27. Matthew 23 and verse 27, Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees, Woe to you, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. The scribes and the Pharisees were busy to make their outsides look good. They wanted to scrub off the outside. In fact, one of the biggest things they were involved in was the ritual washing of their hands and the purification of the flesh. But the problem is, inside, they were allowing all manner of hypocrisy and insincerity and lack of faith and all those things to continue on inside their hearts. They had a dirty heart. They were cleaning the outside, but allowing the inside to remain dirty. We recognize from Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2 and verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Basically, what Paul says there is that in the world, they're trained to be dirty. Trained to be filled with sin and deadness. And the Pharisees' response to that was to try to cleanse the outside, but they left the heart dirty. They allowed the impurity. They continued to think on impure things and focus on those and allowed that impurity and that hypocrisy to remain in their heart. And of course, we know that what that caused for the Pharisees is that in time, They no longer kept the outside righteous either because they quit following the law of God. And so we ask the question, how many of our sins in our lives, when we're falling prey to temptation, how much of it comes from us having dirty hearts, from allowing uncleanness and impurity to remain inside our hearts, while on the outside we're going to church and we're uh, contributing and we're taking the Lord's Supper and we're there all the time on Sunday night and Wednesday night, but on the inside we're still allowing our heart to dwell on impurity and sinful and hypocritical things. The dirty heart, a deadly disease. Then we have the distracted heart. James chapter 5 and verse 5. In James chapter 5 and verse 5, James wrote, You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Here he was talking to those among the wealthy who had really turned away from God and used their position of wealth and power as a means to oppress others. He said they had fattened their hearts. What does that mean? It means they had distracted their hearts from God. And instead of being focused on God, they were focused on their wants and pleasures. They were focused on all the things that material goods could purchase for them and buy them. And because of that, they were oppressing the poor. They weren't giving them their wages. 
because they wanted to hang on to that so that they could fulfill their pleasures. Their heart was distracted from God. And Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6 demonstrates this very concept. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, Jesus taught us, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20 of Matthew 6, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When our treasure, when what we value and what we look up to and what we really want is material things here on the earth, then we must not be surprised if our heart becomes distracted from God. And of course, this distraction will lead us into all manner of sin. Those who want to become rich fall into a snare, Paul told Timothy, because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. A distracted heart. How many of our sins come from our hearts being distracted from God and thinking about and focusing on the things that are down here in the material world? The doubting heart, the dirty heart, the distracted heart, but then we also have the distant heart. Perhaps we don't need to say very much about this because we did talk about this in an entire lesson just a few, uh, few Sundays ago. But in Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter 15, we see the distant heart displayed. <clears throat> Excuse me, in Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 2. The Pharisees and scribes had said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father and mother is to be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this you validate, invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. While they were talking about the Word of God, while they were studying the Word of God, Jesus said, your heart is far away from God. And so even though they would open up their Bibles, in a manner of speaking, and even though they would try to claim that what they were doing was exactly following the law of God, their heart had gone away from God. And because their heart had gone away from God, they were no longer following what God really said. And they really weren't that interested in making sure that they were following just what God had said. They were far more interested in following their own traditions. They had a heart that was separated from God. It was distant from God. Very much like we talked about with Ephesus last Sunday night having left their first love, no longer having that devotion, that betrothal-type love with the, the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And so a distant heart. How many of our sins, when we fall prey to sin, is it because our heart has become distant from God instead of devoted to Him? The next heart disease we find is the discouraged heart. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 4. In Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul said, therefore, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1, therefore, since we have this ministry as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. In verse 16, he mentioned it again, saying, therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia, let us not lose heart. In doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Losing heart. 
a discouraged heart. Paul recognized how easy it would be to be discouraged. After all, we're living by faith. Our faith is not sight. We're banking on promises that we haven't received yet. We're looking forward to an eternal bliss, but we're not getting it right now. And how easy is it for us to, to have faith in God and to put our faith in God, but as the days go by and it just doesn't turn out exactly the way we were hoping it would, to become discouraged when we're continually having to fight that battle against Satan, when every day we have to wake up and remember that today I've got to put the armor on because today I'm going to war again. When we put up with the persecution and the tribulation and the oppression and people making fun of us and all of those things that continue on, it's very easy to be discouraged. When Satan attacks us and we fall again, it's easy to become discouraged. And so Paul says, don't lose heart. When we've been working on something for days, weeks, months, and it's still just as hard to overcome that temptation today as it was five years ago, it's easy to become discouraged. When we think we had something licked, and then all of a sudden it rears its head again, it's easy to become discouraged. And the discouraged heart can lead us into sin. It's heart disease that Satan wants to inflict us with, and it can take our souls away if we follow in that path. How many of our sins come about because we became discouraged? And for that moment, just gave up. The discouraged heart. As we continue on looking at this, we also have the dead heart. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17. John wrote, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? I know this one's going to seem a little bit different because the others seem to all directly affect our relationship with God. This one is actually about our relationship with our brethren. When we see our brethren who are in need, but we're not doing anything to help, this is the person whose heart is closed to their brethren. It's, it's merciless. There's no compassion there. It's a dead heart. The doors of it are closed to the brethren in need. And you know, this, this might apply to material goods. This might apply to emotional uh, needs It might apply to physical or mental needs. It certainly applies to spiritual needs. The heart that is dead and closed to our brethren and the needs that they have. Remember what John said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. When our heart is closed to our brethren, when our heart is more focused on ourselves than on others, that's the, the dead heart. And how many of our sins, especially in our relationship with one another, have come from the fact that our heart has died in our relationship with others. Instead of being open to them, it is closed and dead. And the final heart disease we'll look at tonight is the one that's actually mentioned the most throughout Scripture. It's called the impenitent heart. It's called the hard heart. All kinds of definitions or terms are used to describe this, but I call it the dull heart. It's really the disease that sets in when we allow any of these other six diseases to take hold and stay there. When we don't take the doctor's medicine and follow the doctor's orders to get rid of these heart diseases, to overcome, to prevent and overcome them, then we're going to end up with the dull heart. And this is a heart 
that just going to the Word of God is not going to overcome. This, this is a disease that just getting into God's Word is not going to overcome because, in fact, the Scripture demonstrates that once you've developed a dull heart, reading the Scripture and hearing the Word of God doesn't penetrate that heart. In fact, it makes it worse. In Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, as Jesus was dealing, uh, as He was teaching in parables, He quoted this prophecy. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 14, He says, In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You'll keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You'll keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. Jesus here is quoting from a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 6. Why don't you take a look at Isaiah chapter 6, and notice what is happening within that context. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people. Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive. Their ears dull, their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until cities are devastated and without inhabitant. Houses are without people and the land is utterly desolate. What's happening here? God is telling Isaiah, I want you to go warn the people. I want you to go tell them. But they're not going to listen. They're not going to listen to it. In fact, Isaiah, as you're going out and telling them, all you're going to do is make them more rebellious because they don't want to hear the message. And what happens is, as we allow these other diseases to penetrate our heart and just to hang there and remain there, eventually the attempts from the Word to purge out those diseases, we build up a callousness and a hardness of heart. That as we erect the defenses against the Word of God, it eventually will no longer penetrate. And that is the dull heart. How many folks can hear a Bible verse and never even realize that it applies to them? How many of us do that? How many lessons can we hear and instead of getting into the Word of God and recognizing where it does hit us, we're spending most of our time thinking about why it doesn't apply to us. Or how upset we are at the preacher for saying that. Or how it applies to somebody sitting next to us or across the room from us. The more we build up those walls, not allowing the Word to penetrate our heart, the closer we are to having the dull heart that cannot be penetrated by the Word of God. How many of our sins come because our hearts have become dull to the Word of God and to its message and its pleas and its cries. I'm not suggesting that going through any of these things necessarily is a sin in and of itself, but every single one of them, every single one of them will lead to sin if they're not a sin in and of themselves. The doubting heart, the dirty heart, the distracted heart, the distant heart, the discouraged heart, the dead heart, and the dull heart. Well, what do we need to do? How do we overcome that? What is the prescription for preventiveness, for prevention. What's the prescription for overcoming? What is the cure for these heart diseases? Well, the very first thing that we need to do is we need to ask God to cleanse 
our hearts. Psalm 51 and verse 10. Psalm 51 and verse 10. You'll remember that Psalm 51 is David's confession psalm. According to the header, it's about when he sinned with Bathsheba. And in Psalm 51 and verse 10, David cried out to God, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. We need to cry out that God would cleanse our hearts because there's absolutely nothing we can do to cleanse our hearts. Once we've sinned, we have dirtied and soiled our hearts and it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to take that away. But even as we strive to obey God and serve Him, we need to call for God's help in our hearts. Psalm 141 and verse 4. Psalm 141 and verse 4. David there prayed, Do not incline my heart to any evil thing. We need to ask for God's strength that He will not incline our hearts or allow our hearts to be inclined to any evil thing. And then remember Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 58. In 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 58 as Solomon was dedicating the temple and he was praying there before the entire congregation of Israel and leading them in prayer in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 58, beginning of verse 57, it says, May the Lord our God be with us as He was with our fathers. May He not leave us or forsake us that He may incline our hearts to Himself to walk in all His ways, to keep His commandments and His statutes and His ordinances which He commanded our fathers. David prayed, Don't incline my heart to evil. Solomon prayed, Incline our hearts that we would keep Your commandments. And we need to be praying those prayers as well. Ask God to cleanse and strengthen our heart is the very first step. But then what about our work? Well, perhaps this is obvious, and maybe it just doesn't need to be said, but sometimes the obvious needs to be stated. We need to start with our heart. We go back to Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew chapter 23... Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, another passage that talks about the scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may be clean also. We recognize that in our walk with God, as we're striving to be the kind of people that God wants us to be, the place that we have to start is with our hearts, not with the outside but with our hearts, getting our hearts right before God, removing those impurity of heart, uh, focusing on things that are right before God. So we need to start with our heart, humbling our heart before God, humbling our heart before God's children, but starting with the inner man, not just with the outer man. Third, we need to recognize that we are to have purpose of heart. Look in Acts chapter 11. In Acts chapter 11, Barnabas was sent to Antioch because there were new Christians there in Antioch. And in Acts chapter 11 and verse 23, when Barnabas arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. The New King James Version says, with purpose of heart. I think that gets across the idea that we're wanting to understand better. You know, there are a lot of folks that have heart problems as Christians because they're not serving God on purpose. They're just taking every minute of every day as it comes and, and flying by the seat of their pants. What we need to do is have purpose of heart. We need to purpose in our hearts that we're going to serve God, that that's what this day is about. Today is a day that God has gifted to us. 
in order to give it back to Him, in order to serve and glorify and honor Him, and on purpose, we need to decide, that is what I'm going to do today. And here are some things that I know are going to happen today. Here are some things that might happen today. And when they do happen, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to, on purpose, serve my God. We have to have purpose of heart, because we're not going to accidentally be the child of God that He wants us to be. We need to have singleness of heart. Look in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. The King James Version says singleness of heart, which gets across that idea of sincerity singleness, that idea of not double-minded, that they're sincere about it, that what you're seeing on the outside is what's going on on the inside, singleness of heart. They had a singleness of devotion when it came to serving the Lord God. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and wealth. We have to have a singleness of heart. If our heart is going to keep from being distracted, we have to have purposeful singleness upon God. That that is the thing, that, that is what it's all about. It's about serving God. If God happens to bless us with some other things along the way, that's great, but that's not what we're searching for. That's not what we're seeking. That's not what we're striving and working for. What we're striving and working for is to glorify and honor and serve God so that folks can be brought into His family. And when this world is over and all that money that we might have been seeking for here is burnt up and gone, we can't do anything with it, we'll be able to enter the gates of heaven and find that folks want to welcome us there because we help them get there. We have to have singleness of heart. Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus in verse 37, as He talked about the great commandment of the law, He basically talked about singleness of heart. He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Every bit of our heart is to be devoted to God. There's not one part of our heart that is allowed to be kept back from Him as His children. If we want to overcome heart disease, we have to have that kind of singleness of heart. If we want to overcome, if we want to prevent heart disease, we have to protect our hearts with the Word of God. If you look in Ephesians chapter 6, as Paul talked about the armor of God that we need to put on so that we can stand firm against the temptations of the devil and the attacks that he would place upon us, it says that we need to have girded our loins with truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness. That part of the armor which protects our heart is the breastplate of righteousness. But where does that righteousness come from? Second Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16 and 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. If we want to have that breastplate of righteousness, we've got to be in the Word of God because that's what trains us in how to put on that breastplate of righteousness. Of course, considering some of these other Heart diseases that we've dealt with, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The doubting heart is one of the first diseases that we might face. If we want to overcome doubt, we have to have faith. How are we going to do it? 
Romans 10.17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. One more passage under this heading, Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, Paul writes there, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. How are we strengthened with that power? so that we might share in the inheritance of the saints of life, so that we might attain steadfastness and patience and joyously give thanks to the Father? He said it comes by knowledge. No doubt, knowledge comes from knowing God's will as He's revealed it in His Word. If we want to be strengthened with that power to overcome heart disease, then we need to be in God's Word. We need to renew our hearts. Renew our minds. Renew our inner man. As we pointed out from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, when we were in the world, we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. And by Christ's grace, we have been brought to sit in the heavenly places with Him. And now, we're not allowed to just stay the way we were. We are to renew our hearts. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Well-known passages to us. Many of you probably have that verse memorized. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Ephesians chapter 4. As it talks about as it continued on, that, that discussion of where we had come from and where we're going. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 20, it says, But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Our hearts and minds need to be renewed. Think like God thinks. To value what God values. In fact, if you look in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22, you see the mind that we're supposed to have, the heart that we're supposed to have within us. In Acts chapter 13, talking about David, it says, After he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. That's our goal for renewing our hearts, that our hearts would be like God's. If we want to overcome heart disease, we need to filter our hearts. Mark chapter 7. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus talked about the heart of man. And in Mark chapter 7 and verse 18, He said to them, 
Are you so lacking in understanding also? This is Mark 7 and verse 18. Are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Because it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed the evil thoughts, fornication, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things proceed from within and defile the man. What does this mean? This means we need to filter what goes into our hearts. Because what goes into our hearts is what will come out of our hearts. Do you remember Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23? Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. In Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, we're told to guard our hearts, for from it flows the springs of life. Paul in Philippians provides us with some good teaching on how to do that. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, Paul wrote, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. We need to filter our hearts, what goes into our hearts, through our eyes and our ears and our experience. It needs to be something that we can dwell on that is pure and honest and true and holy. If we're going to prevent and overcome heart disease as Christians, we need to filter our hearts. Finally, we need to open our hearts. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 2. Paul, as he was writing to the Corinthians, said, "...make room for us in your hearts." We wronged no one, we corrupted no one, we took advantage of no one. If we're going to overcome that dead heart, the closed door heart toward our brethren, we need to follow this advice, and that is open our hearts to our brethren. In Romans chapter 15, Romans chapter 15, beginning at verse 5, it says in Romans 15 and verse 5, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. We need to have a mindset of trying to be able to open our hearts to one another, accepting one another and helping one another, encouraging one another. Hebrews chapter 3 And verse 13 points out to us, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Our hearts need to be open to one another, accepting one another, encouraging one another, so that we might prevent and overcome heart disease. How many of our sins come from the heart, from problems that we have allowed to remain there. We need to open our hearts to one another and let one another know what's going on in our lives so that we can help one another and be there for one another. If I might just tie into this morning's lesson, if you didn't hear it, I'm sorry. Satan is stalking us. 
And you know, if some stranger walked outside your house when you thought you were being stalked, you would call a friend and say, get over here right now. Satan is stalking us with these heart diseases, trying to get us to turn away from God. We need to be calling one another and turning to one another, not just relying on coming here on Sunday and hoping that is going to take care of everything. We need to be connecting with one another, opening our hearts to one another, saying, you know, this is where Satan's attacking me and I need your help. This is the heart disease he's trying to throw in my way and I need your help. We need to be doing that with one another, helping one another, lifting one another up, encouraging one another, lest we be taken aback by the deceitfulness of sin and our hearts harden. How's your heart in relationship with God? I hope this lesson has edified you, building you up so that you might be stronger, overcoming the tempter at every turn and conquering the heart disease with which he would attack us. Let's not allow Satan to overcome us and kill us with any of the heart diseases, with the doubting heart, the dirty heart, the distant heart, the distracted heart, the discouraged heart, the dead heart, or the dull heart. Instead, Let's overcome by asking God to cleanse and strengthen our hearts, by starting with the heart, by having purpose of heart, singleness of heart, by guarding our hearts with the Word of God, by renewing our hearts and minds to be like God, by filtering what goes into our heart, and by opening our heart to our brethren. If you have any questions about how Satan will try to overcome you, about any of those diseases of the heart, or about how to submit to God, taking refuge in Him so that you might overcome those heart diseases, please give us a call, 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website, franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps somebody has given you this lesson on audio tape or on CD. If that's the case, please, let me encourage you to go to that website I just mentioned. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons there that we pray will be a benefit to you, and you're allowed to download them both in audio and outline format. Use them in any way that you believe will honor and glorify God. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.